to this moment with gratitude, with thanksgiving in our heart that our God is living, that our Savior has risen, that hope still remains. We thank you that you are here for us. We're thankful for the faithfulness of those who've come before us, who have propelled faith forward. We come today, as already has been stated, with many cares and burdens. We lay them at your feet. For some, we come today and there is a petition for forgiveness. For others, there is a petition for healing. Father, whatever the thing is that we bring to you, we, we know that you know our needs, and we are so thankful that you don't turn a deaf ear to us. Instead, you embrace us. You lift us up. You lift our heads. You touch us. You heal us. You restore us. Mercy and grace we receive at the cross. So we thank you for this time. I pray for each one, whether they are here in this building, or they right now are remembering you in their homes, as they listen uh, online, I pray for each one, Father. Commune with us today, and let our hearts want to commune with you, not just today, but every day in the week to come. I pray these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. question. What will be your domino effect? We're in this new series called The Domino Effect, Grasping the Power of Your Decisions. You know, our decisions often come with planned and with unplanned impacts, just like one domino falling into another. Oftentimes, the same thing happens with the choices and the decisions that we make. There was a professor at a college one day who had come into his classroom and he set his hat down on his desk. He sat it there with his briefcase and prepared to lead the class, but as he was there doing that, he um, got called out of the room for a moment, and so he walked into the faculty lounge, got talking to the faculty, and lost track of time. Well, at that university, there was a policy that if the professor was out of the room or not present, after 10 minutes, the students could leave. And so, of course, when he came back, realizing that he had gotten to talking too long, he came back to an empty classroom, and he wasn't very happy about it. So when they gathered again the next time, he said to his students, now listen, you see that hat sitting on the desk? That's my hat. If my hat is here, I am here. Do not leave the room. The students heard their professor, and they 
they marked his words closely. And so when he came the next time to the class, he arrived to another empty classroom. Instead, what he saw was a table filled with hats. They had followed the example of their professor closely. You know, the Bible's not silent on the matter that decisions impact others. You've read this verse in Proverbs 27, 17. As one, one iron sharpens uh, an iron, so one person sharpens another. The decisions that we make, they impact us, but they also impact other people. They can impact them positively, or they can impact them quite negatively. So I want us today to consider the impact of the decisions of a king, of Manasseh, a former king of Judah. I want you to think about the impacts that they had on him and on those people who were in his kingdom. He's an interesting character. You see, Manasseh was 12 years old, we read in 2 Chronicles 33, verse 1. He was 12 years old when he became the king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 55 years. He was the longest reigning of any king in Israel or Judah. And he was the son of one of the really good kings. He was a son of King Hezekiah, who had been faithful to God and done so many good things. But Hezekiah had died when his son Manasseh was only 12 years old. And so the ability that he had had to pass on good things to his son had been limited by his death. Not only that, there's an interesting thing about the name Manasseh. It means forgetful. And in some ways, it was an appropriate title because it seems that Manasseh was bent on forgetting every single righteous thing his father had ever done. In fact, he didn't want just to forget the things he had done. He wanted to reverse them. He wanted to make sure that no one mistook him for his father. If his father was for something, he would be against it. If his father was against something, he would be for it. So Manasseh sets out to do all kinds of things that were an abomination to God and to his father Hezekiah. Listen to what it says in the second verse. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. Now, I don't know if you've read Leviticus 18. I'm not going to read it. it. It's actually quite a disturbing chapter. It's a chapter where God describes through Moses all of the wickedness that was being done in the land before the Israelites came in. Now, here's the thing. These people had become godless. They had forgotten. uh, They they didn't even take time to remember who God was. They all had ancestry back to Noah, but for generations, they had just forgotten about God. They fell into terrible, terrible wickedness. When, When archaeologists go back and they look at those ancient cultures The archaeologists aren't surprised that they were obliterated from the earth because the the things they find are horrific, unimaginable. No, the thing that's amazing is not that God obliterated them, it's that God waited so long. Why did he allow wickedness to be on the earth like that? It was a wicked people. And under Manasseh, God said he 
did things that were more detestable. They were as detestable as those people that God had driven out. Remember in Leviticus 18.30, God had said, keep my requirements. Do not follow any of the detestable customs that were practiced before you came. Do not defy yourself with them, for I am the Lord your God. Now, the Chronicle writer wants to make sure we understand just how wicked Manasseh was. And so he begins to chronicle or outline all the things he did. Manasseh rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah had demolished. The high places were places of ancient uh, uh, idol worship and places of, of sacrifices to idols. And Hezekiah torn all those places down, so systematically Manasseh rebuilds them. He also erected altars to the Baals, and he made Asherah poles. The Baals and Molech both were were gods that received human sacrifices. And the Asherah poles were, Asherah was a cult of sexual misconduct and immorality. The two worked together in a kind of sick harmony. Because while the people would gather to worship Asherah, there would be all of these unplanned and unwanted pregnancies. And then they would sacrifice their children later on when they were born to the idols of Molech and to Baal. It was a cruel, a cruel kind of religion. Asherah poles were a kind of pornographic totem pole. And Manasseh not only erected these all over the place, but he also went on to bow down to the starry host and to worship them. He was into astrology. In fact, he built altars inside the temple of the Lord, the temple of which the Lord had said, my name will remain in Jerusalem forever. In both courts of the temple of the Lord, he built altars to the starry host. Imagine that when he walked in to the temple, when you came into the courtyard, instead of focusing on God, you were focusing on the sun and the moon and the stars in a place that was supposed to be totally dedicated just to God. This was wicked. But he had a lot further to go. The next line is sickening. Manasseh, the king of Judah, led the people astray by sacrificing his children, plural. He didn't just do it once, that would be bad enough. He did it more than once. In the fire, in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. Now that's a name you should remember, that that name for Hinnom, the valley of Ben-Hinnom would later on be called Gehenna, the place that Jesus would say was like hell, a place of fire and death. Well, that goes back to this time of sacrificing people there and then being burned up in the arms of a false god. As if this wasn't horrible enough, he practiced divination. He was involved in witchcraft. He sought omens. He consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. He even carved his own Asherah pole, and he took the image he had made and he put it in the temple. 
a direct, in-your-face violation of the top ten commandments. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth below or in the waters below. And he defiantly, not only did he break the commandment, he did it and put it in the temple for everyone to see. He was proud of what he was doing. Do you get the idea? Manasseh's decisions were wicked, evil, and they weren't just impacting him. He was leading a whole group of people. In fact, listen to what it says in the next verse. Manasseh led Judah and the people of Jerusalem astray. And they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. He took depravity to a whole new level. Now we might ask, well, why would he do that? Well, he was surrounded by powerful countries, Assyria and Babylon and Egypt. And he kind of thought, I think, that if he adopted their gods and their practices, they would have some kind of connection with them. He was more afraid of them than he was of God. And he let all of their wicked practices find a home in Judah. It was horrible. Decisions make a difference. Decisions make an impact. And friends, Manasseh had an impact, a terrible, terrible impact. The people followed his example, doing the very same things that he had decided to do. And God was not pleased. In 2 Kings chapter 21, we read this. The Lord said through his servants, the prophets, Manasseh, king of Judah, has committed these detestable sins. He has done more evil than the Amorites who preceded him. He has led Judah into sin with his idols. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I'm going to bring such disaster on Jerusalem and Judah that the ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. I will stretch out over Jerusalem the measuring line used against Samaria. It's interesting for you to know there were two kingdoms, the north, which is sometimes called Israel, the south, which is called Judah. Jerusalem is in Judah, the south. Manasseh reigned in the south. At the time of Manasseh's reigns, the northern kingdom has already been completely obliterated. God has already judged them. They were already carried off into captivity. And now God says to Judah and to Manasseh, I will use the same measuring line against you. The one I used against Samaria, the plumb line used against the house of Ahab. I will wipe out Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. I will forsake the remnant of my inheritance. I will give them into the hands of enemies. They will be looted and plundered by their enemies. For they have done evil in my eyes and have aroused my anger from the day their ancestors came out of Egypt until today. Moreover, Manasseh shed, in verse 16, so much innocent blood that he filled Jerusalem from end to end, besides the sin that he had caused Judah to commit, so that they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. That innocent blood is an interesting thing. One of the prophets that we love, because he's, he's one of the most quoted prophets in all the New Testament, is the prophet Isaiah. 
Lots of Isaiah's prophecies are about the Messiah. They're, they're prophecies that give hope for a good future. Isaiah has a lot of remarkable things that he says in his prophecies. Isaiah lived at the same time as Manasseh. We believe that in the 12th year of Manasseh's reign, because, because Isaiah and other prophets were saying bad things about Manasseh, the innocents he's talking about, he had all of them killed. There's a tradition that says that, that he sent out orders to kill the prophet Isaiah, that Isaiah hid in a tree and that they cut the tree in half. There may be a reference to that in Hebrews 11.37 that says that faithful were stoned and sawed in two and killed by the sword. Those are references, no doubt, to the time of Manasseh as well as other times. I just want you to get, this was a wicked king. His decisions were terrible. It's hard to imagine making any worse decisions than he, he made. And when God was trying to get the king and his people back on the right path, he just killed the messengers. Literally, shoot the messengers could be applied to Manasseh. Everyone who tried to stop him from his madness, he destroyed. The Lord was speaking to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. And I have to tell you something. It is never, it is never a good decision to ignore God. It is never the right decision. When God's talking to you, leading you, calling on you, it's never a good decision to ignore him. So Manasseh wouldn't listen. He wouldn't yield. He wouldn't change. And there was a consequence to his decisions. And it was pretty horrible. So the Lord brought against them an army, the commanders of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh prisoner. They put a hook in his nose and they bound him with bronze shackles. And they took him to Babylon. You know, there's a saying in the book of Proverbs that says, if you raise up or train up a child in the way they should go, when they're old, they'll not depart from it. I wonder, had his father lived, what Hezekiah would have thought of that teaching. His son had become so wicked that God had to take him out of the country and away from his kingship with a hook in his nose. And yet, incredibly, there was hope for Manasseh. Have you ever heard someone say, God can't forgive me for what I've done? I've heard those words. You don't know, Marty. You don't know, Pastor. You don't know what I've done. There's no way God could forgive me for this, whatever it is. Many people have felt that, even if they didn't say those words. I suspect most people wouldn't be able to have a laundry list quite as colorful and long as the one that Manasseh had. We could probably argue that he systematically broke every single one of the Ten Commandments. And many of them multiple times. If ever there was someone who deserved the punishment they got, it was Manasseh. But there was still hope for wicked Manasseh. And Manasseh finally made a good decision. 
In fact, he made his life's best decision. For Manasseh will make the decision to seek God's help with the mess that he's made in his life. And let me tell you, friends, if you need to do this, do this. If you're at that point where Manasseh was, you've hit rock bottom, the best thing you can do is decide to ask God for help. And that is exactly what Manasseh did. Listen to what happens next in 2 Chronicles 33, verse 12. In his distress, Manasseh sought the favor of the Lord his God. He humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors. Now, I know what you're thinking. Too little, too late, right? (laughs) After all the bad stuff you've done, God's going to say, whoa, no way, I'll never forgive you for the things you've done. But that's not what happens. That's our human reaction to people who do wicked things, but that's not how God looked at it. Listen to what it says in the text. When Manasseh prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. And he brought him back to Jerusalem. He brought him back to his kingdom. (laughs) And then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. A little further, it says in verse 15, he got rid of the foreign gods. He removed the image from the temple of the Lord as well as the altars he had built on the temple hill in Jerusalem. He threw them out of the city and he restored the altar of the Lord. And he sacrificed fellowship offerings and thank offerings on it. And he told Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. Wow. Wow. Talk about grace, mercy, forgiveness. Wow. And the evidence that it was real, that his repentance was real, is that he changed. And with everything in him, he tried to undo the damage that he had done. He tried to undo that damage. I want you to think about dominoes for a moment. Have you ever seen one of those videos where the floor of a high school gym is covered in an elaborate scenario of dominoes? And when a person pushes the first one, it runs down a line of dominoes and it knocks over maybe at two lines start, then three or four, and pretty soon the whole floor is just a, 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 a moving uh, kaleidoscope of, of dominoes falling one after another. Now imagine that if you were the person who started that whole thing and you grabbed the very first domino that started it, and you thought, I'm going to try to stop this thing from falling down, and you ran to the very end where it's all supposed to end, but instead of letting it end, you tried to reverse it, and you knocked over that domino so things started moving the other direction. Well, you'd be able to stop some of what was happening. You'd send it the other way, but eventually you're going to crash to that point where you can't undo what's already been started. And that's what happens to poor Manasseh. Even though his heart is right with God, and he does everything he can to turn the people back towards God, the next verse makes it clear. They were happy to follow him in wickedness, They weren't happy to follow him in righteousness. It says, the people, however, continued to sacrifice at the high places. 
the high places, the place of the ancient sacrifices, the worship to the false gods. And they would go there and they would worship in spots that were for Baal, but they'd say, well, I'm not really worshiping Baal, but God, but, but God detested it because they weren't doing what he asked them to do. It was still them saying, I want to worship God my own way, leave me alone. Instead of saying, I want to do what God asked me to do and be faithful. So despite his best efforts, Manasseh can't repair all the damage that he's caused by his decisions. That's the worst of it, isn't it? Because we feel the same thing. When you've said a hateful word to someone and you've hurt someone, you, you can't really take the word back. You know you've said it and you've done it. You can apologize, but the wound is there. Hopefully time will heal it. And some things are worse than words. Because of the wickedness Manasseh had led the people into, and because the people decided not to follow Manasseh when he turned back to God, the people of Judah would incur God's wrath. Their king was restored and forgiven, but they would face 70 years of captivity in Babylon for their sins. Their wickedness would continue. Manasseh's grandson, son, excuse me, Manasseh's son would be far worse than he had been in many aspects following his horrible example. Manasseh's bad decisions had set in motion some horrible things, things he couldn't fix, but there was one of his descendants who would have the power to do what Manasseh couldn't do. I call your attention to Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And it says in verse 2, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Verse 10, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon. Scroll down a little farther. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Isn't that something? It's out of Manasseh's line that Jesus comes. The wicked, wicked king who repented of his sin. He couldn't fix the problem of his sins, but Jesus can, and Jesus does. You know, we look at Manasseh and we see the impact of a lot of bad decisions. But one right decision can change the trajectory of your life forever. And it is always a good decision to turn towards Jesus it's always the right decision. Whatever your circumstance, wherever you are, it's always the right thing to do. One right decision changes everything. I love what it says in 1 John chapters 1, verses 7 through 9. I'll close with this this morning. It says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus, God's Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth's not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God's 
faithful decision to send a savior has an impact on us today. Because of Jesus, just like Manasseh, we have hope. If you've never done so, I encourage you to make life's most important and best decision. Make Jesus your Lord and Savior this morning as we stand and we sing our hymn of invitation.